Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Hello and Merry Christmas to you from here in Denver, Colorado. I have a short Christmas reflection for you from the scriptures. Are you ready? It begins with this question. If I were to tell you about someone who was the divine son of God, he was the Lord, he was the savior of the world, he was someone who brought glad tidings, good news to people on earth, and he brought peace on earth, and his birthday was celebrated around the world as the beginning of a new era, who would you think I was talking about? Caesar Augustus, of course, the Roman emperor. Now, I'm pretty sure many of you thought I was going to say Jesus Christ, which makes sense in our 21st century Christian world, but I want to bring you back to the world of the Holy Family of Mary and Jesus and Joseph in the first century, because those very titles and accolades and descriptions were given to the Roman emperor of the time, and that was Caesar Augustus. Let me tell you a little bit about him and why he had those titles and why it's so important for us to understand this background if we really want to understand the Christmas story that Luke's gospel tells us every year at Christmas. So, Uh, Caesar Augustus emerged as a a great ruler in a time when Rome was thrown into chaos. Uh, He was a great hero because he reunited the Roman Empire and brought uh, brought peace to the land after Julius Caesar's assassination. So after that time, there was great chaos. There was great division in the Roman Empire, many rival factions vying for power. Uh, and eventually, Caesar Augustus emerged as the sole ruler and got the title Caesar. And he was considered to be a savior figure, someone who saved Rome from destruction, saving Rome from itself and all this division and war. He was someone that was considered to bring peace to Rome. Uh, He brought about the Pax Romana as Rome reestablished order, bringing together all the different rival tribes and nationalities and different groups to bring them together in unity by the force of Roman domination. So he brought peace, the Pax Romana. He was someone that was considered a son of God. He was called Lord. He was also worshipped as Lord by uh, worshiped as Lord uh, like a deity. And in fact, his birthday was celebrated around the Roman Empire as bringing about good news. The good news, there's this new Caesar who's bringing peace to the land. Now, what I think is so fascinating is that Luke intentionally, strategically uses all of these titles that were normally given to the Roman Emperor and he, and he applies them to Jesus. Uh, he is strategically trying to subvert this imperial propaganda. He's trying to show us that it's Jesus. He's the one who's the true son of God and Lord, not Caesar. He's the one. Jesus is the one that brings about salvation to all the world, saving us from our sins. It's Jesus, not Caesar Augustus, who brings good news and peace on earth, true peace, not peace that's forced upon you by Roman domination, but peace that comes within your soul through the life of the Holy Spirit, through the gift of salvation given to us. And it's Jesus's birthday, not Caesar Augustus's, that really matters. Yeah, I, I love this because think about this today. Whose birthday is celebrated around the world today? Caesar Augustus? Does anyone know when Caesar Augustus's birthday is? Does anyone celebrate Caesar Augustus's birthday? How many people out in our secular world even really know who Caesar Augustus is? 
But it's Jesus Christ's birthday that we continue to celebrate, to remember, to thank God for today. He's the true divine Son of God, Lord, Savior of the world, the one that brings glad tidings and peace on earth. And Luke uses all of those titles and descriptions in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 19, when he tells the Christmas story. And he takes those very titles, normally given to Caesar Augustus, and he applies them to Jesus. I love how Luke subverts the Roman propaganda. But I want to give you one little detail that can have a lot of practical application for our lives. You know the story. We just heard it here at Christmas uh, about how Mary and Joseph have to pick up and move uh, from Nazareth because of this Roman census. What's the purpose of the Roman census? It's not just to count people and get good sociological or statistical information. No, the census is all about being able to Uh, know where the people are, to count them, to get a sense of how much money they make so that Rome can exploit them more effectively, can tax them more. It's all about taxes. That's why they're going to be registered. And you have to go to your ancestral town to do this. So picture all these families on the move. And one of those families on the move is Mary and Joseph's family. They've got to move from Nazareth to Joseph's hometown, his ancestral town of Bethlehem. And And when we look at that story, we could just look at it from a human perspective and say, oh, that's so sad. That's really hard. Look, this is just, you know, this big bully in Rome telling people what to do, having them move and uh, exploiting them for their money. And poor Mary, here she is, and the Blessed Virgin Mary in the middle of her last trimester, she has to pick up and move and go all the way down to Bethlehem. And indeed, indeed, there is a lot of suffering in this story. This is a story from a sociological perspective. It's all about the, the exploitation of the Jewish people by the Roman emperor. That's the context in which Jesus is born. But if we look closer, we can see that there's actually someone even more powerful in this story, more powerful than Caesar Augustus, someone who's the real mover and shaker in the world's events, and that is God himself. You see, God can use the wicked plots of the people here on earth And he can turn them to bring about some kind of good. And that's what we see happening in the story. If we're attentive readers of the Bible, we're going to pick up on this. That yes, Mary and Joseph are being exploited. They have to move. This is going to cause them great hardship. But when they get to Bethlehem, they come to the city where the Messiah was to be born. You see, Bethlehem isn't any ordinary city. It is a city of great importance in sacred scripture. It's the city where the first king, King David, was born. He was the one that's the founder of the the Davidic dynasty, the great line of kings. And and from him, it was expected that there was going to be another great king to come. The prophets foretold that a new son of David, uh, a new anointed king, a new anointed one, a Messiah would come. And he would come and establish the kingdom again and liberate the people from their enemies. And and it's... And his kingdom would extend to the ends of this earth. And so there's all this hope about a new son of David coming. So Mary and Joseph showing up in David's city is quite significant because that's the city of the kingdom where the kings come from. But there's one more text from the Old Testament that's even more important for us. And that comes from the book of Micah, Micah chapter 5. Bethlehem prophecy, I like to call it. Micah chapter 5 foretells how the Messiah, that future king, is going to come from the city of Bethlehem. Listen to what God says 
to the city. He's speaking to the city of Bethlehem in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. He says, From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is of old from ancient days. And so the great ruler, the one who's going to come, the great king, and the prophecy goes on and talks about this king playing a role like a shepherd, reuniting the people, and and he's going to come from the city of Bethlehem. So Caesar might be in charge on the world stage. He might be the one calling for the census. He's the one whose hand extends all the way into Nazareth and forces the, the, the holy family to have to pick up and move Mary and Joseph to move down to Bethlehem. But we as readers who know the biblical stories, we know that we see God's hand is the one ultimately at work here. God can use the wicked plans of Caesar Augustus and use them for some good to get Mary and Joseph to move to Bethlehem so that the Messiah can be born in his city, the city of the great King David, the city of the prophecy of Micah chapter 5 verse 2, the Bethlehem prophecy. Jesus is born in Bethlehem to fulfill all prophecy. And that reminds us of a very important lesson we have to take to heart in our lives today. And that is this. God is always in charge. God is always in charge, no matter what may be happening out in the world, no matter what may be happening in our church, no matter what may be happening in your family over Christmas break. No matter what may be happening in your own personal life or in your office place or in your parish, always remember God is in charge and God can always bring good out of the difficult situations we face in our homes, in our lives, in our parishes, in our world. Let's always remember that God brought good out of Caesar Augustus's wicked census. He brought good by bringing the Holy Family to the place where the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. And he did a lot of good on, on Good Friday, didn't he? I mean, that was the most wicked event in the history of the world. The, the most wicked thing that could happen, the murder of the Son of God. And yet God used that to bring about the greatest good, the salvation of the world. So if God can bring good out of evil at that first Christmas, if he could do it on Good Friday, he can do it in your life today. He could do it in your family. He could do it in your parish. He could do it in the church. And if we look back on 2018, it's been a hard time for us as Catholics, hasn't it been? There's been great scandal. There's been great sin exposed. There's lots of confusion. And in the midst of this cloud and darkness that's hanging over our church right now, we could wonder, where is God in the midst of this? I want you to remember the story of Christmas. I want you to remember the story of Calvary. God can bring good even through the wickedness of this world. And he can do it in our church. He can do it in our lives again today. So my friends, please always turn to the Lord in this Christmas season. Let's remember this. Let's ask him to shine his light in the midst of our darkness like he did on that night when Jesus was born in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago. Can I ask your prayers for something? I'm getting ready to go next week to Indianapolis for the great Sikh conference, uh, the Focus Conference. This is going to be an amazing event with 17,000 college students from all over the U.S. all and even overseas coming. It's going to be amazing. And please pray for them to grow closer to Jesus. Many people who come to this particular Focus Conference uh, have been away from the church or maybe they've never been associated with anything in the Catholic Church before. Uh, and they're going to come and they're going to hear the gospel. They're going to encounter Jesus. And let's 
please pray that their hearts may be open to receiving Jesus into their lives. We have a wonderful event that happens with Eucharistic Adoration and Confession, and there's always thousands and thousands of people lined up for confession. Please pray now for these many students, the ones who need confession the most. Pray for them not to be afraid to go. Pray for them not to be embarrassed. Pray for them not to be prideful or willful or justifying their sins. No, pray for them to encounter the Father's mercy and love and be restored and and experience God's grace and healing in their lives. Please pray for so many souls to go back to confession at this conference and then fall on their knees in Eucharistic adoration. So uh, we'll be praying for you at the SEEK conference next week. Please pray for us and, and all the students that are traveling there over the next week. And I will be praying for you all in this Christmas season. May you have a joyous, blessed Christmas. Again, you can always reach me on my website, edwardsree.com. And you can always reach out to me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. One last thing, check out Focus's Facebook page. They're going to be running many of the talks live, uh, many of the evening talks on Facebook Live. Uh, So check that out uh, next week. It's in Indianapolis, January 3. Uh, is the beginning of the conference, so uh, check out the conference. You don't have to go to the office. You can watch it from afar. Check out Focus's Facebook page for that as well. May God bless you.